Okay, hello and welcome to the very first um, episode of Script to Screen. My name is Mercedes Milner and with me are my co-founders of the WODC. Hi, I'm Angela Thomas. It's Deanna Gomez. Uh, so this is something that we're launching this year that's kind of a supplement to um, the reading on writing column that I do. It just adds to it. Um, basically, when you are a screenwriter, it's really important that you're not only reading about writing, you're also reading what other people have written for the screen, um, something that we've always touched on in classes and just stuff like that. It's always important as screenwriters to read screenplays. So um, something that we're trying to implement more uh, in our practice is getting more familiar with screenplays because it not only helps you with the structure of your screenplay, it helps you to find rhythm in your own writing and kind of pull inspiration from other writers in their work. So for this first month, we have our script, uh, The Sopranos Pilot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. So something, the reason why I chose The Sopranos pilot is because um, if you're familiar with the show, which you should be, it's pretty prolific. <laughs> um, it's, it's one of those shows that most writers like to reference and most educators like to reference because it's something that was very groundbreaking at the time. It kind of changed the course of John, um, drama for television. So the one hour drama <laughs> script kind of got a, a facelift in that we got more character studies and this is something that's that really blew up at the time. And I like to think that without this script, we probably wouldn't have shows like um, Dexter or things like that where we really focus in on characters themselves um, over the course of a drama narrative. So, um, we're going to go ahead and get into it. Did you guys like the script you guys read? I liked it. I So I read this, and I had to study it and everything when we were in school. Um, but I had never seen The Sopranos. So it was, it was first it was nice because I was happily surprised at the concept. Because mm -hmm. I had no idea, like, anything about the therapy or the mental health aspect. Mm -hmm. So that was just something that was really interesting to me, too. But... The script, it just reads really well and right. really quickly. And they don't waste... What I noticed with this one is that they don't waste a lot of time with certain details. Like, a lot of, like, the the minor stuff isn't written. It's just, like, oh, ad-lib, blah, blah, blah. And so I thought that was really interesting because they saved room on the page mm -hmm. by doing that. Um, and just sticking to what was actually important for the story. So I really appreciated that. Great. Yeah. And what about you? Yeah, for me, this was an, I like the style too, and it was a very easy read because some scripts can be dense. Mm -hmm. And and for me, I wasn't, uh, I really only got interested in watching the show because of film school, and they always note it as being part of the newer golden ages, or one of the new golden ages. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, as I really only know the pilot of the show, but it's still, I'm happy that I found that much so I can say can mark, check that off my list. <laughs> <clears throat> so yeah, um, one of the things that I really loved about this script was that um, you can definitely tell the style of the show based on the pacing of the words on the page, mm -hmm. which was really interesting. It definitely like bleeds its own flavor, I guess. It's <laughs> in how it feels. 
especially yeah. when you're watching it with yeah. the tone and everything like that how everything is very just very quick paced mm-hmm. like that's it's nice though because it's tight and it makes sense yeah the story works really well and I I also really liked that the the dialogue some of the lines of dialogue um <laughs> Half the time, I didn't really understand what Tony Soprano was saying when he was using his own, like, aphorisms for life and stuff like that. But then I'm just like, but I could totally see that this is how this character just talks. Mm-hmm. So even if you don't exactly understand the line of dialogue, you get the gist of what he's trying to say to you. <laughs> yeah, you understand exactly what this is like a tough guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, I would agree that this was a really good... Going from script to screen, I think this was a really good example of what a seamless, basically seamless transition is. There were some changes that we'll talk about later on, but I do think overall, from script to screen, it stayed pretty true to what the original, or what the lasting, um, the final draft was from the script to the screen. So, um, one major scene, one of the first major scenes that I would like to touch on um, is... The opening scene. So the opening scene of any script is really important. It's what holds the audience attention and also the readers, the initial readers attention. If you were pitching the script to somebody, they always tell you, you need to make sure that you have the first page is really drawing because basically that could be as far as the the reader's going to get before they decide if they want to continue or if they want to trash your script. And it's not going to go any further than that. So... I think this script does a really good job of kind of um, setting up the tone for the show. It definitely feels fish out of water right from the first line. Um, So we're seeing the first thing is fade in, interior Dr. Melfi's waiting room day. Um, For this draft, uh, the one that we're looking at is Goldenrod. It is not the final draft. Uh, You'll notice a name change, which is Thomas Soprano, 40, sits and waits uneasily. Um, staring confusedly at the vaguely erotic plinth reproduction. Inner door opens, Dr. Jennifer Melfi, attractive 35, appears. So just in that first action um, paragraph, you can kind of get a sense that he's not in his element at all, even without knowing that what his history is, what he does for work. You can kind of tell, like, this is somebody that probably doesn't truly believe in therapy. I think the description of the the statue, mm-hmm. like the Klumpt or Klumpt remake or whatever, I think that says a lot too because they make it a point to say that it's oddly sexual. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if you're sitting somewhere and something is oddly sexual, you're already like fish out of water, <laughs> uncomfortable. Yeah. So even just with that simple line without saying he's uncomfortable, he's not used to being there, we already know. We get that sense from that line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you... you- Going further down the line, that's just the very first, um, it counts as the first scene. Um, Going down a few lines, you can see, uh, we go into scene two now, is where she's saying, my understanding from your family physician, Dr. Kusumano, is you collapsed, you were, were unable to breathe, possibly a panic attack. And then you get that emphasis, they said it was a, to- a panic attack. Because all the neurological work and blood came back negative, they sent me here. So doing a really great job just right off the top talking about or trying to set the tone for this is somebody that really doesn't want to be here. They're being made to be here. 
So I think that's really important. Looking at other scripts, it's really important to see like how tight can you make this? Because already we know this is a character we're following. This is a situation. It's setting up for the entire series, essentially. <laughs> and just a few and just a few lines. So um I'm going to go, I'm going to skip ahead to um, when he talks about, uh, when he starts to get into the day that he collapsed, the day that he had his panic attack, and he's starting at the top um, where he starts his workday with his nephew, um, Christopher. So they're driving around town. At this point, you get the sense that, okay, this person is obviously to do with organized crime, the mob. Um, they are trying to collect on a loan from somebody that has not put their money up front. So uh, when they're going through this, this scene, as you read it on the paper, you can tell that this is going to be a very visually stunning scene, in my opinion. And... You could see just the action paragraphs. You read with the rhythm that I think plays out when it transitions to screen. Mm -hmm. So this is the one where um, I will direct you to... Do, 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 do. So exterior street, business district, business district, USHMO day. It's that guy, Mahaffey. Get out. Back there. See? With the boo-boo and red back up so already they're setting up like you know it's going to be an action scene and then it um it transitions from there it's a chase scene it's a fight scene and it's really just shocking all around on the page you could see that so i really i really my note was that this is something that you can see um was made for the screen which is a minor tie-in to uh the book of the month which is something that the author in jaws in space emphasizes when you're creating your script that you would like to pitch, you need to make sure that you're taking into account if it was made for the screen. Um, and this is a, a script, you couldn't read this in a book and get the same emphasis. I just want to, so I think that scene is really important because, well, I think one of the things I appreciate about The Sopranos in general is that it's not a very, um, like glamorized looked into the mob life. So mm -hmm. if we go back to the first scene where he's starting his day with the ducks and his family, I think that one's really well written because even it's such a short scene as it plays out when he's talking to his family in the kitchen and with the ducks and everything. But it also also introduces us to the fact that before this, every mom movie that you've seen, the Dawn and everyone is so beloved and their family is so like, you know, they love him, blah, blah, blah. But I feel like this was one of the first scenes where it was, no, this family clearly doesn't like their dad. Mm -hmm. Like, it's a very real family and very just um, not glamorized. And I think that it's written really well on the page, the way that it's set up where they're just like, yeah, okay, dad, your ducks, bye. Like, they're just so disinterested. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think he has to go from that to being this dawn leading into like the drive with his nephew yeah and i thought that was like a really interesting point to show that yeah he's a mob guy but he's also like a dad mm -hmm. one of the uncool dads mm -hmm. yeah. so i i liked that inclusion in the script yeah i think that was a really interesting point um and just the way the way that we get those it's a you're right it is a really short scene 
but in just that small amount of time, you get the gist of what each character's dynamic is. Like Carmela, how she's described as like having, like just looking like a typical, um, not suburban housewife, but I guess what you would imagine like a glamorized version of a, a mob wife would be. Yeah. She's got the, the press on nails. She's got the pretty light hair. Yeah. yeah. So those kind of things, but it doesn't really drone on with that. Mm-hmm. Um, something that I really do appreciate over the course of the script is just how minimal the, um, the character descriptions are. Mm-hmm. It goes to show you really don't have to put so much energy unless it's something that's going to be really telling of the character. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise... Tony Soprano's description, even um, through to the salmon edit of this script, is just he's forty. Yeah. <laughs> That's I, I do love that because I detest character descriptions because sometimes I can visualize who I'm picturing. And like they tell you to picture like what actor could play this role and stuff like that. But most of the time in my mind it's completely open. So I was like, I don't really want to put any to be too specific and put it in a box when it's unless it's a trait that the character needs to have it doesn't need to be like a physical description or something like that but like just an age and and that's enough information i really did love that mm-hmm. see mine is super opposite that's why reading a script like this is really important for someone like me because i love character description because i know exactly what i want my characters mm-hmm. to look like and you kind of get stuck in that but when you read something like this i think especially with carmela's description it's like her age and it mentions her nails and her highlights and then it says something like, um, both are in- incredibly important to her. Mm-hmm. And then we just move on. Mm-hmm. But I think that simple, like, four-word sentence says so much about the character that that's all you need when you're mm-hmm. casting and when you're, like, trying to give them an idea of who the character is. Yeah. So it's it's nice reading scripts like this for someone like me who loves character description because it shows that you don't have to drone on and on and waste space on your page describing mm-hmm. them. Just find that one thing that everyone can connect to and include that in the description. Yeah, and it kind of gives the characters a chance to kind of speak for themselves as they develop over the course of the story. Yeah. You don't really have to describe every nook and cranny, every detail, because the way that they act over, like, on the page is going to come across, like, this is probably, you can envision what they're going to look like, how they're going to be based on their actions in the story. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a big difference between scripts and novels, because they... Novels most of the time tell you every single detail, and then when it gets transferred to the screen, if it's not exact, then people are sometimes are put off by it. But that, luckily, with scripts, it's not. That's not the main focus. It's the story and other details. So when it comes across, it it was a blank, uh, blank canvas to begin with. So it's becoming and it's being created as the show continues. That's what I like about scripts. Yeah, I love that you brought that up about the family dynamic. <laughs> You're welcome. You're right, you're right. (laughs) It really does ground it in reality instead of just glamorizing one aspect or the other, glamorizing mob life without grounding in anything else that a a more um, run-of-the-mill audience would understand. They they ground it in something that everybody can kind of understand, and then that's our entrance point to the rest of his life. I think it's very humanizing, too. I think it's very humanizing, and... I think about the series in general, um, and even just what Tony is saying to Dr. Milk about he's coming in at the end, like the best is over. Mm -hmm. This is taking place at a time when 
like the government is breaking down on the mom. So he is kind of at the tail end of like the golden days. Mm -hmm. But the way that they show that throughout the script is very subtle. So like they show like the TV interviews and they're watching TV and all this stuff. There's the newspaper. Yeah, there's a newspaper. It's very subtle and it's not in your face, but you can tell just by his dialogue. Even though it, she's like, well, I feel like a lot of Americans feel that way. Mm-hmm. As you're going through and you're seeing what's in the papers and things like that, you mm-hmm. understand this is a whole new level for them because mm-hmm. they are so used to just getting away with whatever they want. And now he's taken over at a time where everything's kind of going to shit. Yeah. So. Yeah. And it, it really shows that you can introduce nuance. Like, yeah. That. It just, what I think the thing that's really refreshing about reading this is that like you don't have to it reassures me that you don't have to try so hard to justify what you're putting on the page it's just like people will understand context Mm -hmm. so and i think this script is a beautiful example of that Mm -hmm. i think it's a really good example of show not tell Mm -hmm. because i feel like people tell you that all the time like show not tell but you're you sit there and you're like but how because i need the audience to understand this point and i feel like this script does a really good job of showing, not telling. And it's it's really easy. And, like, again, it's not a ton of detail. It's just a nice little, oh, headline, blah, blah, blah. That's all you need. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Something that really stood out to me, something that I didn't, I wasn't aware that you could do on the page. This is, like, a structuring thing. You can just make notes in the middle and just put it, like, there's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's so bad. there's... So, Scene 19, um, exterior pork store date. There's a description of, like, everybody's sitting outside of this this neighborhood butcher shop. And uh, they're talking about big pussy and little pussy. You know who I'm talking about? Yeah. Okay. There is a point where it says big pussy bon pensiero. Um, and then it says big pussy bon pensiero should not be confused with little pussy malanga. Whom we will, whom we shall learn more shortly. So, I was like, I didn't realize that you could just do that. Well, here's my thing about that: is it that we can get away with that, or is it that this particular person got away with that? I think that's a conversation that is also deserving Mm -hmm. because I feel like certain people can get away with things, but as new writers and people trying to break in, mm-hmm. I'm not sure that'd be okay. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Because I feel like someone could read that and be like, who do you think you are? This is wrong. Or you just know? saying, like, the thing that came across to me was, like, why would you put into a script, they always tell you you're not supposed to have characters with names that are too similar. I'm like, those are way too similar. <laughs> it's going to be very easy to confuse Big Pussy and Little Pussy. <laughs> But that's like they always say, we have to learn the rules well enough to be able to break them well. Mm-hmm. And But um, I don't think we're, I'm not at that point yet. So I was like, I will follow the rules till I feel cocky enough to break something and then <laughs> go from there. But it is something that puts things into context like that you would only understand if you were reading the script. Because this note comes into play farther down the line yeah. when they're trying to uh, describe that little Pussy Malanga is going to be getting it's gonna get whacked <laughs> yes he's gonna die it's just like what they're gonna come after big pussy and they're like no little pussy like, if you didn't read the script you wouldn't kind of you would get that joke in the sh- like at, it 
it plays out in the show okay, but the way that it has it here, this big note that is just like, wow, that's really random. Who the hell is Wilkes and Malinga? <laughs> well, I think it's like you said, like normally you shouldn't have similar names in your script. But I think when you're in something like The Mob, all these nicknames, they mm-hmm. can be so similar all the time and just have some something really subtle about them, like big and little. Mm-hmm. So I think it was important in this script. Um, but I think that even... Even when you're watching it, it makes a little sense because they he, they they do make a point where someone's like, no, not that one, you know, mm-hmm. little pussy. Mm-hmm. So they make it clear so the audience knows <laughs> there's more than one pussy. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, I guess that note is important, um, but I don't necessarily I don't think that it's necessary. It makes mm-hmm. the reading of the script a little yeah. fun and entertaining. Yeah, yeah. And I think maybe whoever was reading it, it was helpful to them. Mm-hmm. Because it's it's clear because later on they could have got a note like why would you include the same name or whatever mm-hmm. and now he explains why mm-hmm. so I don't know I don't think it's necessary but and um, on a different note some scripts do go to print like um, like that one day in class we were given movie scripts that were actually like in like book form oh so, yeah so yeah. it's like if you're thinking of it from that angle too they are trying to make it a more entertaining read as a script as well and but that's the thing we as writers really should be focusing on how on describing it for the screen so i'm not sure when we would get to the point where we would put that the little asides and stuff like that in the script but yeah i don't know rules i'm not sure the the times may be changing maybe there's new rules. i don't know because one person (laughs) will tell you one thing and then you talk to someone else and they're like no they're wrong Mm -hmm. so you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) i'm not sure (laughs) Which is one thing that I'm trying to, like, that I would like to accomplish with this new edition is, like, you get to read all these different scripts and then find out for yourself, like, what's the proper way to do it? And so far, I've found there is no real proper way. (laughs) Everybody just kind of gets the the general stuff out of the way, and then they're just like, but also, I'm going to do it this way, because I like it. But I think it also varies, like, from script to script. So, like, here, that little aside makes sense, because we're in the mob, there's a bunch of different nicknames. But for if we were not in a mob and it was just like, well, I just want two characters to have similar names. No, just change them. Like it's not necessary, you know. So You're here just it makes sense. Use people. Yeah, but somewhere else it probably wouldn't. So I think that's what we'll probably get out of this too is showing that there are just different ways based on different stories. Mm-hmm. So um, something that I want to touch on is uh, usually with with TV scripts you get the A story, the B story, C, D, E all that kind of stuff. The two major stories that I think of here, obviously our A story is going to be Tony Soprano starting off therapy. The B story, I'm thinking, but I could be wrong, I get confused, I don't know if it's B or C, is the conflict between Meadow and Carmela. So I don't know if that's the B story or the C story, mm-hmm. because everything that's happening in the, in the background of like the actual mob stuff. So... I feel like we spend a lot more time with Meadow and Carmela. Well, you might be right, because then the rest of it is all C. Like, the actual idea that everything's falling apart behind mm-hmm. the scenes and Tony's trying to keep it together. Yeah, there's, that's, this script, this one story, has so many layers in one there's episode. There's so many. There's, like, a lot of different stuff going on. Yeah, like, it's, like, him and his uncle, it's him and his mom. What? Yeah. So much. And it's Tony Jr.'s birthday. Yeah, like... <laughs> Yeah, there's some runners in there, too. Yeah, I always kind of, when I can't tell, I always kind of break things down of 
by how much time we spend with each and the hierarchy of the characters. Like mm-hmm. if it's because usually the A story involves the main characters and we spend the most time on that and then it goes from there. But like you said, there's a lot going on in the script. So and I'm not sure if it's we're going on with letters like C D and going from there or if there's just a lot of runners or something. I'm not sure. I so I think you're right. I think that Carmilla and uh, Meadows could be the B store and everything else like falls under the C and all the sub stuff. But I think that's what makes this such a great script too, is there's so much going on, but you understand exactly what's happening. Like it doesn't feel too heavy and we move very quickly through each of these things. And everything, maybe it doesn't get resolved exactly right, but everything, every story effectively gets some type of closure. Yeah, but it also leaves that wiggle room to be like, well, what's going to happen now? Mm-hmm. Like you end the A story with Tony now is just going to probably be regularly coming to therapy. Mm-hmm. Meadow and Carmela, there's still a bit of tension there, but, you know, things move on. Life moves on. Yeah. And then even with the Christopher story and the Triboro Towers, that gets closure to a degree. Tony threatens to kill him. But, you yeah, know. Yeah. <laughs> But that's also a sign of a good script because you really shouldn't put a story in if you're not planning on going anywhere with it, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the thing that I really liked about it is even though we have all these different stories happening all at one time, the script doesn't feel busy. No, not at all. Which is like, I would like to know the secret to that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, how do I make my my stories so intricate and not so busy? Yeah, and you hit your page count and you're good. There's nothing (laughs) heavy. It's... Gotta wait till that goldenrod. Salmon. <laughs> ah, dang it. Salmon. I remember. Did you say salmon? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That <laughs> does it, like, it took six drafts to get here. That's true. So we the word relation is rewriting. Mm-hmm. And even in the last draft that I read, there were still some, some major things over the course of this script that we have here on hand. And the script at the WGF library where it's just like, they, they kept this in all the way up until that point. And then they just probably had to change it in post. So <laughs> I was like, I don't know how that made it past, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> what were some of the noticeable differences from this one that we have to the one, the final one that you read in the library? Um, well, there were the name changes. Mm-hmm. Some of the lines were cut entirely. Some scenes were kind of cut down, um, tightened. Uh, the two major things, so I mentioned that there's the storyline with Christopher and the Triboro Towers. So just to kind of give you a um, recap. So they have these new Czechoslovakians that have come in and they're doing waste management as well. And they're offering discounts to people that already work with the Sopranos. So um, Christopher is told to kind of work on trying to get the Czechoslovakians to back off um, or pay up what they're giving the discount. So um, he decides to invite the younger, like the nephew of one of the waste managers on their side, and he kills him. That kill scene changes dramatically from script to screen. Because on the script, let me see if I can find it. In the script, we have... um, Christopher's character comes off a little bit wacky, like he's the new kid on the scene and he doesn't really understand the values of being a part of the family and 
all that stuff. He just wants in for the status, the money, the flashy things. He doesn't, he hasn't really sunk in yet, like, oh, you're killing people, but there's repercussions, or this is how this business works. You have to have respect. You have to have values. Like, you can't just be a loose cannon all the time. Um, this was kind of in a loose cannon move. Uh, he decides to just take it upon himself to kill the younger Czechoslovakian nephew. So, let me see if I can find it. Okay, so here we have, um, to set, set up the scene, the scene, they're in the butcher shop, and it's just Chris and, um, Emil. Emma, uh, Emil. <laughs> I know Chris, Chris <laughs> keeps calling him email. email. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... The kill scene is he sets up some coke for Emil to smoke, or to smoke. <laughs> That's not how you do that. Um, I know drugs. <laughs> <laughs> to, to snort. And while his back is turned, he shoots him in the back of the head. So, I will read you the action paragraph. Kohler takes the, um, takes a straw, leans over to dose. Chris places a Glock 9mm to the back of his head and fires. In this draft, his Emil's name is um, Polar. So Sprawls. Kohler. His last name. Yes. Kohler <laughs> <laughs> sprawls forward on the butcher onto the butcher block. Chris fires three more times. One of the severed lamb's heads appears to be watching. Chris addresses it. Can you see him yet? Has he arrived where you are? <laughs> it makes Chris seem so dopey. Just here. Like, like he has. He doesn't care. <laughs> that he just took someone's life. Mm-hmm. Like, you get a real feel that he just like, well, next. Yeah, but when you watch this unfold on the screen, it totally changes the headspace of Chris's character. Yes, he's still kind of fresh on the scene, new kid, but rather than panning over to this wacky lamb's head and him addressing it, you see flashes with each gunshot to a different... Um, mobster like golden age mobster so you see um why can't i think of this <laughs> uh al capone you see i was like <laughs> which like one <laughs> um, uh, which <laughs> but you just see pictures that are hanging around the butcher shop like yeah these are snapshots of like who he's probably trying to embody in that moment like i'm a badass look at me go killing this guy and then you do also get like the quick flash to the pig's heads and lamb's heads hanging behind, but he doesn't address them. It doesn't come off nearly as wacky as this. Yeah. So it's a change for the better. It's a change for the better. I really love that change because it it follows the, the tone. The tone of the show overall is very serious. There's lighthearted moments, there's funny moments, but then to have Chris's character kind of behave in the way that he is on the page, it doesn't really match. So I think when they make strategic changes like that, when it transitions to screen, it kind of takes away some of that goofiness that doesn't really fit the tone of the show overall. Mm-hmm. The other big change comes towards the end. So like Meadow, right? Yeah, with Meadow. And this is a random scene that I'm like, who thought that would fit anyway? <laughs> <laughs> so... The Carmela and Meadow uh, debacle over the, the 
pilot episode is that Meadow is supposed to be going to Aspen for Christmas break with her friend, Hunter. Um, but that ends up not being the case because Carmela catches her coming in after curfew. She snuck out. And so she decides, you're not going on that trip. And there's tension throughout the whole rest of the script until she has a talk with her dad. And this is, I think that's another one of those really humanizing moments when her and Tony go into that cathedral after Meadows' um, volleyball game. So they're sitting in this cathedral and it's just a really somber moment between father and daughter that is just like, this is a moment that any father probably would have with their daughter. Kind of giving her a sense of, we think you could be really great. You have the potential. And I want you to kind of look at life in a new perspective. He's saying, look at this beautiful cathedral. Your great-grandfather and his brother built this from the ground up. And it's kind of forcing her to put things into perspective. It's like, your trip to Aspen really does not matter in the grand scheme. I think you should, like, you should really respect the relationship you have with your mother. <laughs> um and it's something that everybody can relate to. So what Meadow takes from that is kind of, I'm glad this did not make it to screen. She decides to have this weird moment, kind of heartfelt uh, with her mom, where her mom's like, you know what? I think that you should go to Aspen. Uh, it's a break. It's a Christmas break. And I think you deserve a break. You work really hard. And she's like, actually, I don't think I should go so close to finals. Also, I think I'm going to become a nun. And it's just like, where the hell did that come from? It's a little extra. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, uh, you're trying too hard. There's a portion of, of uh, the script leading up to this where the cathedral's on fire and Meadow's like laughing maniacally. And I'm like, I don't understand what that was. And I'm glad we didn't ever have to see it. <laughs> I'm like, did she just... It's like, yes, revenge. Revenge. Burn it down. <laughs> Burn it down. I kind of looked at it as like, the way I imagined it in my mind was like, Meadow was burning at the stake for some reason with the <laughs> cathedral. And she's just like, I've got to make a change. But I'm like, this doesn't fit at all. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what was happening there. It's like, I, I feel like it has some connection. Maybe it was supposed to mean something about how her great-grandfather built it and she's burning it down and like maybe foreshadowing something but it was just really, it was weird it was a weird thing mm -hmm. to think about so i'm really glad that got pulled and you didn't want to <laughs> it go was... to the sides about then yeah know? i'm like so what was this yeah. i don't <laughs> i don't know if he discussed that anywhere some maybe he did i'll google it later but it just didn't make any sense and it was very extra it was like the comment on like the lands head and stuff. I feel like everything that got pulled from this script was the stuff that's like, yeah, but it doesn't, it doesn't exactly meet the tone for mm -hmm. the pilot. So let's just take that out for now. We can add mm -hmm. some stuff later. <laughs> yeah. So I think I think it says a lot too about you know as a writer you can include all these things. Um, just know that it's going to be tweaked later and it's not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. yeah. Just write down to some of the lines being switched around, some of the dialogue being moved to different spaces or. Yeah. Delivered different ways. Here's a really cute thing that I think must have been just the actors, the actor putting his own spin on it. So in the uh, in the scene where we first meet Uncle June, where Tony goes uh, into the restaurant, on the script is just he goes and grabs the back of um, Uncle June's head and like, hey, Uncle June, how you doing? Yeah. In the show, he comes up behind Uncle June, pretends he has a gun in his hand. And he's like, don't move. <laughs> 
charming. You could really see what I really love is you could really see that this this just reiterates how much of a team effort all this is. Mm-hmm. You as a writer can write the script, but then you get those like really beautiful moments where it's just like maybe that was the director's choice. I think that must have been the actor's choice. <laughs> Because I'm like, that was so much better than having him just come up and be like, hey, Uncle June, how's it going? Like, what's up? Slap on the back. It doesn't fit with his character (laughs) either. It doesn't. So it, yeah. I think subtle changes like that. And I think, like you said, it's a team effort. Because I feel like sometimes even as writers, we get so caught up in this is my baby. This is how it's supposed to go. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, it's a team effort to make these things. And even when you don't necessarily like the changes, it doesn't mean it's going to be bad. Yeah. And obviously the writer can't really say too much because everybody freaking loved The Sopranos. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, but it wasn't my Sopranos. <laughs> like, I want that goat head. Burn it down. <laughs> but that's like, too, it's like, we don't know what the original script looked like and maybe everything fell into place in the original script, but as changes happen, things get lost and things get added and so other pieces may not fit the same way and they need to change to fit the mold better and then still... <laughs> on the when it went to screen it, it fit the mold even better than the script did so mm-hmm. i like those changes so. <laughs> i like those changes too it goes to show like how much things you're right we probably the the first draft of this script might have looked completely different mm-hmm. Completely different. Maybe the tone did fit the goat head and the burning tree. Yeah, maybe it was point. a lot funnier. Yeah. Maybe it was supposed to be a comedy back then. <laughs> like, no, you know, maybe we should change this. Like, we already have my cousin Vinny. <laughs> we don't need any more of that. <laughs> yeah. Um, are there any other things that maybe you guys wanted to touch on that I did not? No, I think we covered a lot of it, and I think that, like you said, there there were other, like, subtle changes when you're watching it from um, what was written, but I think it was all just, like, out of necessity, mm-hmm. or, like, stuff just got cut on the editing floor, but it's all just, it's very tight, and I feel like the overall theme and general setup of the script is beautifully translated onto screen. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, and that's the job of the script, because the script isn't meant to be the editor and the DP and the director and stuff like that. It's it's just meant to tell us a story and lay the groundwork of all the themes that are supposed to continue if the show continues into a series. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I think that kind of concludes our first episode of Script to Screen. <laughs> I hope you guys liked it. Uh, if you have any constructive criticism, always please let us know in the comments. Um, and you can join us again next month. We will be reading Amelie. Yay. And make sure you screen these things, too, so you can see the transition in real time. That's also important. <laughs> Watch them, too. 